1: Tonight on Fast, we are trading the tech takeoff. The big guys like Amazon, Meta, Apple, all ripping higher, while high multiple names like Peloton, DocuSign, and Block also found new footing. So is the tech trade back on? We're breaking it down. Plus, Shake Shack, sizzling hot. The stock jumping 13%. I just spoke with the company CEO. What he says about the future that has investors licking their lips. And later, we've got a guest trader taking the mound to pitch her best idea. Why she thinks this regional bank is a total home run. We'll bring you the name. Welcome to Fast Money, everyone. I am Sarah Eisen. Hello again, in tonight for Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Mike Coe, Pete Nigerian co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Good to be back with you guys. We'll start off with some breaking news here out of BioGen. That stock is dropping after hours pretty sharply. Let's get straight to Meg Terrell with the details. Meg.
2: Hey, Sarah, Biogen is falling after the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services essentially said it's going to very narrowly or at least proposes to very narrowly cover uh, the company's Alzheimer's drug, essentially saying it's only appropriate to pay for this drug for patients in approved clinical trials. This is a much narrower reimbursement coverage decision uh, than folks who watch this company in this space had been expecting and investors in Biogen had been hoping for. You can see Biogen down there more than 7 percent on this news. CMS holding a call just now really explaining its decision, uh, saying, while there may be the potential for promise with this treatment, there's also the potential for serious harm to patients. Uh, Biogen already out with a response to this, uh, saying the decision will significantly limit patient access to an FDA-approved treatment, especially for underserved patients. Uh, Now, Sarah, of course, Biogen's is the first drug and the only drug right now on the market with this Um, in this class of drugs targeting amyloid plaques in the brain. But there are more coming behind it in the pipeline from Eli Lilly in particular. So that stock had taken a small hit on this as well. Um, Quite a surprise, a negative one for Biogen investors right now. Sarah, back to you.
1: Yeah, down about eight and a half percent after hours. Meg, thank you. Tim, what's your take on the Biogen news? Highly anticipated announcement not going Biogen's way.
3: Well,
4: Sarah, first of all, a rare treat having you here. Thank you for joining us. And, and I, <laughs> look, I, I think this story for Biogen is, is a story of, uh, you know, first of all, the, this news announced Aduhelm, uh stock rockets 50 percent, uh, ultimately uh, has now traded well through the share price. I think Biogen was around 270 a share when this news was first announced that the FDA had proved this Alzheimer's drug. Great news, obviously, a- an exciting new area of growth. And yet so many questions, so much controversy, lack of convincing data, lack of doctors who are ready to prescribe it and then monitor it, and obviously the price point. So, you know, on some level, this, is, this has been an albatross for the stock and, and on some level it's been an albatross for the entire uh, I would call it like at least the the mega cap biotech companies and the IBB overall so um, this news not a big surprise interesting that that each incremental news flow is actually more negative for the company uh, than if they had even announced this drug
1: yeah I mean remember when there was that takeout rumor from Samsung Pete where they were gonna buy, buy Biogen and then the, yeah. Samsung came out the next day and said actually no that, that's, that's not happening. So here, here's another blow to the stock and to the IBB, which was, some people thought, a good turnaround trade this year. Pete, what do you make of it?
3: Yeah. Absolutely no doubt about it, Sarah. You're 100% right. That was a big – I was on that night when we had that news and we saw that stock spike to the upside. I started looking at Biogen a little bit closer, and the amazing thing is how inexpensive this, uh, this stock trades at right now. They've got a great pipeline and, you, <laughs> you know, all the different categories that you want to put it in. And yet, this is a company that just cannot get its footing. And obviously, the news tonight—not good. They're pressuring the stock. It's down near 52-week lows. It's actually down close to multi-year lows at this point in time. So it's—it's it's just amazing. And, and you know what? This albatross, as Tim calls it, this is something that's been going on for a very long period of time with so many different companies that have tried to get the cure for, or at least the treatment for, Alzheimer's in any way, shape, or form that they could do that. And unfortunately, once again, this is this is just tearing up the stock so um, you know it's it's frustrating i'm sure uh it's frustrating for all of us as investors as well but you know this is exactly um unfortunately the kind of news that just makes you want to shy away from some of these biotechs for a while just because of the fact that we know that this can be this dramatic in terms of the stock
1: yeah moving south as we speak down over nine percent mike does it get interesting or are you also staying away
0: yeah, I mean, I think the situation, what you ought to be looking at was uh, that multi year low I think that Pete was referring to. I think the stock got down just below 217 or so about three, two and a half, three years ago. That's kind of the level. I think if it breaks through there, then I'm not exactly sure where the next stop would be. But I think the point that we've already heard, which is that, you know, the company is not particularly expensive on a trailing basis, uh, might make it an interesting trade for a bounce if it holds that level. And I would probably use calls to do it. And I would, also say that if you wanted a more diversified measure of exposure that would capture it, IBB might be the way to go.
1: Yeah, which which is down uh, for the year and over the past year. We'll turn now to China's wall of worry because a third city entering lockdown as COVID cases grow across that country. Authorities imposing tough restrictions to try to contain a bigger outbreak, major manufacturers having to shut down, ports clogging up and dozens of inbound flights canceled as the global supply chain once again faces sweeping disruptions. All this as a rolling real estate bubble threatens to pop in the wake of that ever-grand default. But take a look at the action in China stocks. China tech having a good day. The FXI shaking off all these fears, climbing more than 3%. And the technology stocks, as I mentioned, on fire. Big names starting 2022 with a bang, like BABA, JD, Baidu, Tencent, all blazing higher. China stocks crushing it despite the wall of worry. So is this the trade you want to be in, Karen? Is all that bad news already priced into these names?
5: I don't know if it's priced in. I mean, Baba, I sort of am particularly sensitive about because I lost money in it and sold it at about $195, which seemed like a, a good sale. But nevertheless, I lost money in it. And I just, I feel like I can't fight that unknown of what China, you know government crackdowns could be. It's not surprising that it bounces, I mean because it's so cheap. there's a lot to like about it. but I, I just can't get back in. The thing that's more interesting to me though, also about China though, with the things that you cited, you know, the lockdown and all of that, I see names like a Nike, names like a Starbucks that do significant business in China. I think that's what's weighing on them. And we may see more of that. We might see it in the luxury space. Uh, and I don't know where else, but I think that we will see it. And so I've kind of stayed away.
1: Hmm. Uh, Tim, I know you, you've also invested on some of these these China focused names. JD today yeah. jumped 10.3%. So is, is this a sign that things are turning or do you just not have that visibility yet?
4: Well, JD was a big outperformer relative to the group last year. Again, not seen to be in the crosshairs of the government and, and on some level, yeah, not that national champion company that that really is, is at risk from the regulator. I, I think if you look at First of all, the China story overall, I, I actually think that we're starting to see a thaw in supply chain dynamics. I know there's a fresh lockdown, um, but I think you know, ultimately the trends here are positive. You're going to get CPI and PPI numbers out of China tonight. CPI is, is expected to come down almost two percentage points, let's see. Uh, but I think the worst of the COVID disruptions, even for the China economy, uh, even in the face of this uh, you know, one step backwards, is, is to the market's advantage. But ultimately for investors, Karen pointed out, I mean, Alibaba, they, I think they report on the 29th or 30th of January. Absurdly cheap relative to itself and obviously relative to other mega cap global, global tech companies. It's, it's 13 times uh, this year, 12 times next year. Um, you know, you had slowing GMV growth. There is obviously a story of a major investment period that I think they're probably going to start to slow down this year. Companies spinning off assets, but it comes down to, do you believe that that, you know, that, Big Brother is going to continue to put the pressure on Alibaba. I don't think the pressure is off, but this outperformance to uh, even the K-Web um, by about 15 percent over the last month, I think is a sign that at some point stocks get too cheap. And, and this is one that I think is too cheap.
1: There, there's the concerns about regulatory issues. Big Brother, as Tim says. There's also, Mike, concerns about the property sector, as I mentioned. And, and you have been pretty bearish here, expecting a credit event? Is it something that investors aren't already alert to?
0: Well, I I think that's part of it. You know, the narrative, I think, for a lot of these tech names has been that uh, basically we were concerned about Chinese government action and that, you know, for Didi and for this and for Baba, basically for all of the big constituents, frankly, of K-Web, that's been the issue. But I think Karen's point is one that we should be paying attention to. Evergrande is not the only problem on the real estate uh, side in China right now. And because there is a lot of exposure to that uh, from sort of that burgeoning middle class, and we have to expect that there's going to be basically some carry on effects. If you were anticipating, for example, increased market share in China, and that was a big part of your story then you have to call that into question. And I think that is also a part of the story, at least when we're taking a look at something like Baba, that GMV that Tim was talking about. If we think that that's going to metastasize someone and it's going to start hitting Chinese consumers, then everybody who's playing for a really explosive growth story there has to question at least a portion of that assumption. And I think that's part of the story. But I also think that for as long as we don't have clarity on what the Chinese government would do, if you are inclined to make bets here, these are highly speculative. And for many, I think it's a no touch.
1: So, so three out of three, not, not into China, not into Biogen. Pete, is, is it any different from you?
3: <laughs> well, the one thing I would say is I, I view this story actually far more and just almost directly about regulatory issues. And, and we've seen that play out on multiple times over the last couple of years. And I think that's the frustration as well for the U.S. investors or any of the investors outside of China. It's, it's very disturbing. And, it, and it's something that I think a lot of us have to view as, hey, look, it's a no-touch in terms of investing. I think it is a touch in terms of trading. And, and Mike and I being options guys, that's what we do on a day-in and day-out basis. It's option trading all the time. And I can tell you this, after everything that we have seen over the last couple of weeks where everything is really, really short-term in duration of what they're buying right now, Sarah, everything's a week out, two weeks out, maybe all the way out to three weeks. Now today, in the last couple of days, we've actually seen some interesting option paper in there in the FXI, where they're actually going out to May, Mm. and in in Melco, where they actually went out a full year. So buying a little bit of extra time to try to buy time to see, will this actually play out to the upside? So from that perspective, I am in. But I'm only in, in calls. I am not in any stocks in China.
1: All right. One out of four, then. Here's the the counter-argument, Tim, (laughs) and I'll, I'll, I'll throw it at you. So... These stocks have gotten really beaten up on the regulatory concerns, on the, on the property concerns. But when it comes to the lockdowns and the China zero tolerance policy for COVID, which is really what's been weighing on its growth rate. If you think that Omicron is the final chapter of this pandemic, like we pray and, and we hope and, and a, lot, a lot of experts are saying that, that, then eventually China's got a big reopening story to come here, because they have locked down I, in a way nobody else has and held held back their growth rate. And that could be a really bullish factor.
4: I agree. And, and I'm, I'm claiming to be two out of four. So not just Pete. I I feel like I was saying that, <laughs> look, I, I think you have a case here where a lot of the worst uh, okay, is over. Good. So you just pushed me over the top, Sarah. All right. I'm, I'm taking credit for, for at least being okay, on the long I side of this because I, I it, No, it's OK. And I, I think this is a case where we, we have seen uh, China. Look, remember in in the summer or June, July of 2020, remember, you know, Nike was giving us their outlook from, from China and how they were starting to see things turn. Starbucks was doing the same. I agree. Like, I think the travel mobility issues, by the way, Pete mentioned Melco. I mean, I, I, those are not reasons. So the immobility right now is a reason to buy these stocks. And, and you, you're you not buying them if you're worried about license renewals. And again, I don't think they're going to go after uh, Melco. I, I don't think they're going to go after even Las Vegas. I don't think they'll go after any of them. Um, so I can't necessarily ultimately judge that. And that is a a calculus that I think a lot of investors are very fearful of. But at this point, um, I also think that U.S.-China relations um, are going to remain tense. But I think there's a lot that the two sides are going to focus on in the next six months, including COVID, including climate change, um, and I think there's an opportunity for that to get better. The technical issues around trading the market and a lot of U.S. stocks, a lot of Chinese ADRs um, folding up shop here, like China Mobile, and you can only now buy it over there, that's a big issue. And, and I think there's still a lot of consternation there.
1: Let's turn back to the U.S. because it wasn't just China tech stocks. Tech stocks overall were on a tear today. The NASDAQ gaining nearly 1.5% best day of the year so far. Titans like Amazon, Meta, Apple, Apple all posting solid gains, but look at those higher multiple names as well. Stocks like Peloton, DocuSign, and Block outperforming. Karen, what what do you make of the tech action? It was actually the best week since Christmas week
5: best day. I mean, to me, I think it was, you know, they were oversold. And so, by the way, I didn't thank you for the double header, not just that you're hosting the show, back to back double header. So good endurance of <laughs> it, hosting It is my pleasure. You. So I love you guys and I'm so well, happy glad to, to have you. you. <laughs> so um, I think it was a kind of oversold, but I think the underlying conditions of we're in a Fed environment where they're going to be raising and that multiples will come in and that we do have inflation that will keep the pressure on the Fed, even if inflation slows down, which I think it will. But I think that bigger picture of a rotation out of the high flyers, maybe they've come in a little, but that doesn't mean they're cheap. Even a stock is down $100, like a DocuSign or something. It doesn't mean it's cheap. And so I think that there's still more to that trade. We haven't really, we saw like four days of rotation. I feel like there's a lot more to that. In 2000, when the internet bubble burst, that was a much, much bigger rotation. and I think we're just at the beginning of it here.
1: So so you wouldn't be buying Karen the higher the higher growth, higher, higher multiple names. Sh- what do you do with the the mega I'm short caps, them. then? How, would you buy on the weakness that we've seen lately?
5: Well, I'm long I'm long Google or alphabet. I'm long Facebook, I'm long Apple, long Microsoft much bigger bet in Google and Facebook, because I think of those as value. I think of the sort of elder statesmen of tech. And really, if you look at the cash flow, if you look at the margin, you look at the earnings, you back out the enormous cash piles. I think they're value stocks.
1: Yeah. Some people think value. Some people think defensive. Mike, what, what do you make of the rebound that we saw in the NASDAQ names Oh, for both groups? Do you think it has legs yeah, or does mean, it just well, depend on what the company you take a name like
0: alphabet you take a name like alphabet or you take a name like microsoft which is clearly a higher multiple but in either case I think what you really are talking about is it's not value in like a, a static type of a way it's value in a growth at a reasonable price kind of a way and I and I think those are good places to be I mean when you can buy a name like alphabet at or below a market multiple with you know a rock solid balance sheet and obviously tremendous free cash flow we're talking about over 40 billion and you know a good growth rate to me that seems like kind of a no-brainer um some of those higher flying stocks look we've got an fomc meeting coming up in a couple of weeks here um and i doubt that what you're going to get is an all clear for what i would otherwise just have to describe as fairly speculative you know types of stocks that were Frankly, in many cases, trading sort of on a pandemic frenzy as much as anything else. And that, I don't think, that story is not going to return. So I, I have a hard time understanding why people would go running back into names like Peloton here.
1: Well, despite today's tech turnaround, our next guest is warning that the market isn't out of the woods just yet. Tony Dwyer is Canaccord Genuity's chief market strategist. Tony, it, it's nice to see you. And It's interesting because I don't usually think of you as very cautious. I think of you as a very bullish generally and optimistic as a strategist. So, So what's different now for you?
6: Yeah, I like to I like to wake up that way. And if you look at over the longer term, I, I still am that way. U- ultimately, Sarah, as you know, the market correlates to the direction of earnings. And unless you go into a negative economic backdrop, that direction is positive. So ultimately, as long as the Fed hasn't inverted the curve and shut down the availability of money, you do want to be a buyer. The question is, when do you not necessarily want to ch- chase? And as you know from uh, the closing bell, it's nice to have you on both shows, uh, as you know from that show we found it that when the s&p 500 is up 25 percent in a calendar year since 1980 it's always each time it's had it can always be different this time but each time it's had a correction it's a median 5.2 percent correction early in the year so our whole tactical policy into this year was to get the market to come in a little bit and maybe attack it as it got oversold using some of our key indicators
1: are we at that point yet did it get oversold
6: no it didn't sarah so we're down two percent so your your median gain is down 5.2 percent what we use is i say very openly to the team as they know for over the years i use the percentage s p 500 components above the 10-day moving average as a guide that didn't get oversold despite how bad it felt uh yesterday morning um and i use the vix i use a 10-day rate of change on the vix and when it gets over 50 there's too much volatility. I know Pete and I have talked about this one before. So, you know, you can get an, a bounce. Clearly, you're getting an oversold bounce. I think this whole story on rates has become very interesting. Somehow, the market participants or people like me come on TV, and the Fed, who has yet to stop actually buying bonds, is going to raise rates four times. And even though they're still buying bonds, in the middle of the year, people were saying that they're going to start dwindling down the balance sheet. Now, maybe that can happen. But if you're going to start. They're
1: talking about it. The balance
6: sheet, why would you still be buying bonds two or three months in front of that? So later in the year, they may. So my whole point is, I think that expectations about um, the Fed have maybe gotten a little bit ahead of themselves, which allowed for an oversold bounce in some of these tech names.
1: So, so what do you do with all of this, this, this volatility and the uncertainty on rates? Where yields are moving and, and with, as you say, more more downside ahead because of some of the levels on the VIX. Where do you want to be?
6: Well, you play the, if you're looking for a five percent downside, you don't play the downside. It just means that if you do have cash to deploy, you wait. And as you know, from honestly, back in October in the closing bell, our whole theme is banks, tanks, shanks and cranks, which is the financials, the industrials, the materials and the energy. Now, they've become extended. We've also found that over the course of the last two years, and actually you got to go all the way back to the Great Recession to make it uh, to look at it again. But when the Russell 1000 value has outperformed the Russell 1000 growth to this degree on a 10 day rate of change, it reverses. And that happened yesterday, carried forward to today. And it could continue for a little bit. But eventually we we do want to be long those more cyclically oriented names throughout the uh, throughout the year.
1: And finally, really quickly, we're about to kick off earnings season. Does does that change the trajectory here?
6: So the big question is, Sarah, are margins going to be impacted by inflation? And I think it's we've done a study that shows that margins don't peak on a macro level. Of course, companies can be affected individually from a macro level. Margins, S&P operating margins do not peak until the end of the cycle when the top line begins to slow. When the top line is still growing pretty well, you can pass along. You can pass along the price increases. So if you look at the correlation between S and P operating margins, one of the best correlations, or it's actually an inverse correlation, is to the unemployment rate. Um, when unemployment rate be- peaks at, or bottoms and begins to lift, it means that people are going to spend less money. That shortfall in revenue ultimately leads to a compression of margins. But until then. I think, uh, you know, we should get upside in earnings, not just from uh, too, too much expectations of margin pressure, but also mm-hmm. the impact of buybacks.
1: Tony Dwyer, always great to check in with you on Closing Bell and on Fast Money. Appreciate great it.
6: Great to see you. Sarah. Have a great day.
1: You too. Let, let's trade this, Karen. What, what do you make of Tony's call on the market?
5: I, I I kind of agree with him, I think, which is, as he's saying, did I interpret it <laughs> right, sort of a short-term negative um, in that it, it, yep. he doesn't think things are oversold. But I don't look at the market as a monolith. I do think there's names to buy out there that, you know, something that's that's sort of like a, a, like a Walgreens Boots that's not so, you know, the P.E. multiple is cheap. I think that um, FedEx, which, you know, have been in for a long time. It went up north of 300. I didn't sell it, did a bad job there, but I still think it's cheap here. It's good to own. I think the banks are good to own. The only thing I don't like about the banks is that going into earnings, when the stocks do well, people are usually disappointed with the earnings, and so they sell it off. But I'm Mm -hmm. not going to try to trade around that. I'm Long banks going in. I know this will happen. It happens every time or just about every time. (laughs) But I I look at it in the long term, and I think I want to be in the banks. I think there's great value there.
1: Yeah, up 6% for the year so far. Next, up, up, and away. Boeing shares jumping in today's session. What is behind the takeoff? Those details next. Plus, looking for some stress relief? We've got a dose of retail therapy for you straight ahead. We're going shopping and some of the names seeing big moves higher here. That and more when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Boeing popping more than 3% today. The company reporting a bounce back in plane orders for 2021. Phil LeBeau with the latest numbers. Phil.
7: And Sarah, when you take a look at the numbers from Boeing, December was the 11th straight month where the company reported positive results. And when you look at the numbers for all of 2021, yeah, definitely an improvement over 2020. So here's what Boeing reported. Net orders on an adjusted basis coming in at 535. Deliveries, 340 planes, an improvement over 2020. The backlog now stands at 4,250 planes. The deliveries are expected to ramp in 2022. That's some of the good news, some of the optimism that is there when you look at shares of Boeing right now. And they're going to be steadily increasing the cadence in terms of production for the 737 MAX. It's expected to go up to 31 per month early this year. And then there's talk about potentially going even higher a little bit later on this year. Nonetheless, there are challenges for Boeing right now. And that's one reason why this stock, while it has, you know, it bounced off of that 200 level and it continues moving up into that 220, 225 range. Look, they've got the 787 inspection process. They continue to work on that with the FAA. They haven't delivered a Dreamliner since last spring. You've got the China market that remains frozen, not just for Boeing, but also for Airbus. And speaking of Airbus. It has made some inroads when it comes to the narrow-body market. A couple of high-profile customers with Boeing making uh, indications that they're either ordering or intend to order some of the narrow-body Airbus aircraft. And all of this has to do with what we're seeing when it comes to the airline market overall so when you look at the airline market and we're just going to talk domestically here remember american today was out essentially with a pre-announcement on its q4 results in it uh, in the announcement today the company said that it expected to a uh, top consensus in terms of q4 revenue it also expects a pre-ta- uh, pre-tax margin that will be better than expected Thursday is when we hear from Delta. As you take a look at shares of Delta, that will be the first airline earnings report of the day. But nonetheless, a couple of decent days for Boeing with the stock moving higher today. Sarah?
1: Phil, thank you. Let's trade it. Tim, I think you're in this name, right? It's had a nice little comeback here. I am. Year to date, but still a big underperformer. What do you make of the numbers today? It's been a
4: big underperformer yeah. Look, the, the numbers are encouraging, although they, they, they trailed Airbus. Um, the 787 pause, as Phil pointed out, is is still, you know, that that's that's the moneymaker. That's the breadwinner. Um, I, I, you know, the backlog increases a bit. Uh, I think actually uh, the max certification in China will be a catalyst here. And I think it's something to be excited about if you're a Boeing shareholder. Uh, I look at the stock on the charts and we're in a downtrend from, from March of last year, uh, you know we're at the top end of that downtrend range, and in fact, I think a break of kind of two twenty-five to two thirty-five and it looks very interesting. I think if you look out two years, this company is back to being a free cash flow machine again. I think in the meantime, um, these these victories are going to be slower, and it's not going to be a straight line. But um, I think this is a great place to own Boeing. I think this is a company people forget about their defense business, uh, and I think they're too tethered on what I still think are short to maybe medium-term. It, you know, Delta, COVID, Omicron dynamics in the airline industry. Um, but long term, this is Boeing, and this is a great time to own it.
3: you agree, Pete? I do. I look at the backlog, like Tim mentions, and and obviously Phil brought that up as well, and the fact that that's growing. You're talking about huge numbers there in terms of that backlog. And you look at the deliveries. Yes, they still travel behind Airbus, but they are improving, and that's what we need to see. We needed to see that start to perk up a little bit. We wanted to see when would we start to see a little bit more appetite for the 737, and, and we're starting to see that. So There are some good and some bad, I think more good than bad. I think when you look at the stock, the stock price is interesting. It's held above 200 now for a little while, and starting to see a little bit of a break to the upside. I think that's good. Tim's point, I think, is very important, though. This is not an overnight story. This isn't, a, you know, one of these tech names where you're saying, you know what, in the next year, this is probably going to happen. This is probably a multi-year hold, if you're patient enough, to get this stocked back to where some of the glory that it had in the past. I think it can get there, but I do think it's going to take some time.
1: All right, we've got a lot more ahead for you here on Fast Money. Here's what's coming up next.
3: Giddy up. One of Pete's stock picks is soaring today. Is it time to put money to work in that name? We'll dig into it ahead. Plus, cue the tumbleweed. We've got the good, the bad, and the ugly on the U.S. consumer. Those trades and more, next.
8: What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of Shake Shack jumping more than 13% today after the company upped its guidance for Q4 revenue. I did just speak with CEO Randy Garudi on Closing Bell, who was at the much-watched ICR conference. Here's what he had to say.
3: We've had this strong, consistent, slow
4: recovery through COVID, and it really peaked in the Q4. And, you know,
3: anybody who's been around New York and uh, doing things in fourth quarter, things just were starting to move again.
1: For more on the other headlines coming out of the Consumer ICR conference, let's get to Courtney Reagan. Hi, Courtney.
8: Hi, Sarah. Yeah, so you know, this annual conference is the one where specialty retail and consumer companies gather with the investor community. And because of the timing of this, a lot of them pre announce results from the holiday quarter to be able to discuss them. So, shares of Abercrombie, a big winner today, up almost 8%. The retailer said supply chain issues meant it didn't have enough inventory to match strong shopper demand over the holidays, leading to lost sales opportunities. But, Now that the merchandise is available, it's seeing sales accelerate. So while preliminary expectations for the quarter are short of consensus, investors like what's happening now for that mall retailer, recapturing potentially some of those lost sales. Like Abercrombie, American Eagle Outfitters is sharing store resources where possible when there are staffing issues due to the Omicron COVID outbreak. So while AEO forecasts its holiday quarter sales to be up mid to high teens instead of the 21.5% analyst project. Investors were comforted by the CFO's comment that that the Omicron issues will at least be short-term in their opinion, and as a result, they upped the 2023 full-year revenue expectations. Discounter, big lots, however, a little less rosy about what's going on. It's seen traffic and sales slow since early January due to Omicron and weather. shares of Big Luts down about one and a half percent. And Sarah, of course, that's a retailer that does rely more on in-store traffic than its e-commerce mm. sales as sort of one of those off-price discounters.
1: Courtney, thank you for rounding it all up for us. Let's trade it. Karen, on retail, I I, I turn to you. And maybe that's the distinction on who's getting hurt by Omicron, how much you rely on on stores and traffic. Because in Lulu's warning yesterday, Lululemon, that's what they were blaming, capacity constraints and staffing around some of the stores, not necessarily consumer weakness.
5: Right. And I thought that was really interesting because Lulu is good at online. So you thought, all right, that could be somewhat of a ballast for them. So for them to guide to the low end, they must really have um, some trouble in the retail stores. So that is gonna be a problem for a lot of retailers that rely so heavily on that. My biggest retail position is in Target that I hope, given what they were able to do while during the pandemic to become really a e-commerce business as well, they had already started that before the pandemic hit, but that accelerated it. So to me, Target is my biggest retail position. I like it because it is a below market multiple, but I think it's well situated either in an Omicron or a reopen. Walmart as well, but Walmart's more expensive. So that's kind of where, where I have most of my e-commerce bets, some in Capri. I wonder though, if, if China lockdown is a little bit of a headwind for luxury mm-hmm. there. So uh, that's something to worry about, but I, I still like Target. Probably with Pete on this one
1: Pete you, I was just gonna say Pete are you are you still a target lover too
3: <laughs> I am I am as a matter of fact Sarah on that last dip that we had where it got right around that 220 level I bought more um, this you know what I like the stock it's cheap as Karen just points out they have a great e-commerce business and I think whether it's during the pandemic or after the pandemic, I think they are just well fit uh, for for absolute success going forward. And they're not stopping. They're continuing to move along as a company. This, they're, they're not letting this hamper them for the future either. And they continue with the smaller stores and all the rest of it. So there's a lot of good things going on there. I'd agree also with the Walmart comment, a little bit more expensive. But you know what's really expensive and got hit the other day is Costco. We all love Costco. We all think it's a great mm-hmm. company. They do everything right, it seems. But they are really stretched when you look at the PE of a Costco versus something like, uh, obviously, Target or Walmart, and we put those comparables together. But I think the e-commerce world is, is, is definitely the, the important place to be. But when, when you talked about Lululemon, it really did shock me the other day when I heard that news. But when we talk about the labor shortage, that makes a lot more sense. Obviously, e-commerce is big. But they still want people in the store. When people go into stores, they tend to buy more. And that's something that Lulu is missing out on because of the numbers that they're reducing to get into stores safely and the fact that they're having such a difficult time with labor.
1: Every, everybody's having a difficult time with labor. Even Shake Shack, which today yeah. ha- had such good news on revenues, yeah. com- complaining about labor. We talked to the CEO of Krispy Kreme and all, all, these, all these companies. Mike Coe, how how do you pick your spot in retail right now?
0: Yeah, you know it's interesting because some of the weakness that uh, obviously they're talking about, as far as labor is concerned, uh, part of that actually is you know ironically an expression of consumer confidence. You know we've seen that a number of people have uh, been you know quitting their jobs, resigning their jobs, presumably <laughs> looking for better ones. That's the kind of activity that a confident uh, you know employee, that a confident consumer might make. And with respect to Lulu Lemon, it's interesting because that's. On my uh, Holly Index, that is the the list of companies that my my wife spends <laughs> a lot of money at. And what's interesting <laughs> is that she Good doesn't indicator. buy anything from Lululemon online. She likes to go in, she likes to see what the stuff is, and then she walks out with something that weighs about a pound but cost about a thousand dollars. So, <laughs> you know, I think that's one of the the things about Lululemon is that some people do actually want to be in the store, and and I can understand the labor situation. You know it's also interesting in consumer discretionary names like carmax that's interesting to me because i think we still have some some supply issues on the auto side and that obviously has kept used car prices relatively elevated and that's great for the margins of an output like carmax and i expect that to continue for another couple of years
1: did did not see that turn coming from lulu to carmax still ahead (laughs) on the show batter up (laughs) i love this show We've got a fast pitch on an under-the-radar financial name you might want to bank on. We'll bring you the name when Fast Money returns.
3: Get your trades to go with the Fast Money podcast. Catch us anytime, anywhere. Follow today on your favorite podcasting app. We're back right after
7: this. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Well, believe it or not, it is almost earnings season again. The big banks signaling the unofficial kickoff to reporting. Stretch, J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, Citigroup, all out with results starting this Friday. Our next guest is taking the mound with a pitch on one lesser known name in the space that could be a total home run. Welcome, Ava Ados. She's the chief investment strategist at ER Shares. Ava, you like Signature Bank.
9: Why? Why? We like banks because in an inflationary environment, they can pass along costs and increase their margins. And we like Signature because it's not only a bank, but also a great growth entrepreneurial story. This is a bank that started 21 years ago with 50 million in assets, and they managed to grow them to 100 billion, organically and that's very unusual in this area where most banks growth requisition so we like their growth exceptional growth and net income margin of 46 percent in fact if you look at 155 global competitors in the space this bank ranks as uh, in the top five when it's and when it comes to its net income margin and it's growing it by 63 percent a year
1: it's already had such a strong run, uh, up 100 and more than 40% over the last year, the best performing name in the S&P financial sector over the last year. Why has it had such strong outperformance and does that, how can that continue?
9: That's right. So last year it was up 140 uh, percent, as you said, one of the top performers. Um, but we believe they still have room to run. And the reason is they have very large deposit balances. They have over 60 billion in deposits. And right now they are generating 0 percent. When, when we start seeing the first interest rate hikes, for every 1% interest rate increase, this bank is going to be adding about 6% to its pre-tax income. So we, we can only, only be even more bullish going forward. Ava, thank you. It's good to talk to you.
1: Having another good day up 2%. So are traders buying Ava's pitch on Signature Bank? Tim.
4: Look, I, I think Ava crushed it. That ball went straight, straight over the center field fence. Because this is a stock that has really crushed it and outperformed the XLF. But um, their digital asset growth, their, their their crypto loans, and you know this has got a lot of fintech in it too. It should be treated as a growth stock. But I like the sector it's in.
1: Mike.
0: Hey, I mean, take a look at this thing trading about twenty times forward earnings. I mean, on a price to book value, maybe a little bit above their peers, but. With this thing growing in the high 20s, uh, I'd have to say, yeah, she, she did hit that one out of the park. I buy them on uh, Signature Bank. I like it.
5: Karen, what about you? I'm going to, even though I'm a value investor, and this is hardly value, but there is value there. It's just not cheap. <laughs> I'm going to buy, and then that is my illegible Signature. Um, I, I thought it was an excellent pitch. Hold on, a little not, higher. They're not your run-of-the-mill bank. Oh, hold it up a little higher. OK. That's my <laughs> illegible signature. Oh, the signature. I think, yeah. though, that it is it is sort of like a fintech. And I think that, you know, the growth they've had, the margins that they have, it's expensive. One other thing. This could be a nice little acquisition for somebody. Pete, four for four?
3: Well, I got to say. Yeah, I think it's a sweep, uh, Sarah. When I look at this and I look at the organic growth and I look at the digital growth and I look at the loan growth and all of that, the only issue I have is what Karen mentioned, which is when I look at the price to book, or I think it may be Mike or Karen, uh, the price to book is a little bit high. Outside of that, everything looks pristine. The balance sheet is awesome. That's a, that's a home run.
1: All right. Not, not the sexiest name, but who knew? Such a strong performer. It was a home run. With the traders, now it is, of course, your turn. Are you buying Ava's Fast Pitch on Signature Bank? You can vote in our Twitter poll, CNBC Fast Money, to weigh in. We'll bring you the results later on in the show. Also, coming up, a biotech stock that is up 40% just in the last two days. What options traders are saying is next for the name. Don't go anywhere. There's more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back. Here is your sneak peek at the Kramer camp. Jim is talking with the CEO there of Zoetis, Kristen Peck. That stock had a great year last year. You can catch that full interview at the top of the hour on Mad Money. And don't forget, you can have Kramer delivered right to your inbox with the CNBC Investing Club. Sign up now with all the info on your screen. That QR code will take you right there. Coming up on Fast Money, a big bet in biotech. Mike flagging some unusual options activity in one name. We're breaking down that trade. Plus, there's still time to vote in our Twitter poll. Is Signature Bank a buy? Weigh in now at CNBC Fast Money. The results coming up. Stick with us. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out this pharma stock, Biochrist, it's called, surging more than 11% today, already more than 40% just this week. The big gains coming after the company pre-announced a monster revenue beat thanks to sales of one of its oral therapy drugs. The news prompted a slew of upgrades. And plenty of attention in the options market. Mike, how are you playing this one? Sort of under the radar, but whoa, what a monster move!
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a a company that depends heavily on that one drug, as you mentioned, and they're now guiding to 250 million dollars in revenues for the full year and peak revenues maybe around a billion. And of course, that's what investors were waiting for after they were uh, presenting at that conference earlier this week. We saw ten times the average daily call volume. Most of that activity was concentrated in the January 20 strike calls. We saw almost 15,000 of those trading for close to a quarter. And then we also saw a lot of activity in the January 17 calls. Those were trading for just under 60 cents. And buyers of those calls are obviously betting that the rally that we've seen these last two days could continue through the end of next week.
1: Got it. Mike, thank you. For more Options Action, be sure to tune into the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern. You still have time to weigh in on Ava Ardo's Fast Pitch. Go to our Twitter poll to vote on Signature Bank. Get the results and your final trades coming next. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time to find out if you at home are banking on Ava's pitch on Signature Bank. Turns out 58% of you say no, not a buyer here. Don't agree with Ava, don't agree with the uh, traders. Ouch. It is time for now for final trade. Let's go around the horn, Tim.
4: Buyer of your effort tonight, Sarah, thanks for joining us. Karen's Lululemon, you know, now trading somewhere around 32, 33 times. Bargain territory for this stock. I like it here.
5: Karen. Yes, in the retail space. I like Target. And thanks for doing the double header. Go home and ice your shoulder. You too, Pete. Thanks. <laughs> I am home. <laughs> Pete, what
1: about you? <laughs>
3: Uh, I still love PayPal. You know, the stock, everybody loved it when it was 250, 300. It dropped down to 180. Now it's at 190. It's still a buy at these levels.
0: Mike? So I'm a glasses half full kind of guy. Obviously, I like Lulu and so does Holly. So I'm a buyer of that. But I also like the consumer discretionary ETF XLY. I think we could be a buyer of that one here.
1: Well, thank you all for being so gracious and and for letting me fill in today for Melissa. I love the show. And thank you all for watching.
0: Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.